2: Where I come from, you always say amen after you hear a prayer, because that's what you just heard, a prayer. Where I come from, that particular prayer is called the prayer for the dead. You just heard the prayer for the dead, my fellow stockholders, and you didn't say amen. This company is dead. I didn't kill it. Don't blame me. It was dead when I got here. It's too late for prayers. For even if the prayers were answered, and a miracle occurred, and the yen did this, and the dollar did that, and the infrastructure did the other thing, we would still be dead. You know why? New technologies, obsolescence. We're dead all right, we're just not broke. And do you know the surest way to go broke? Keep getting an increasing share of a shrinking market down the tubes, slow but sure. You know, at one time there must have been dozens of companies making buggy whips. And I'll bet the last company around was the one that made the best damn buggy whip you ever saw. Now, how would you have liked to have been a stockholder in that company? You invested in a business, and this business is dead. Let's have the intelligence. Let's have the decency to sign the death certificate, collect the insurance, and invest in something with a future. Ah, but we can't, goes the prayer. We can't, because we have a responsibility. A responsibility to our employees, to our community. What will happen to them? I got two words for that. Who cares? Ah! Care about them? Why? they didn't care about you. They sucked you dry. You have no responsibility to them. For the last 10 years, this company bled your money. Did this community ever say, we know times are tough. We'll lower taxes, reduce water and sewer. Check it out. You're paying twice what you did 10 years ago. And our devoted employees, who have taken no increases for the past three years, are still making twice what they made 10 years ago, and our stock won sixth what it was 10 years ago. Who cares? I'll tell you, me. I'm not your best friend, I'm your only friend.
3: everybody this is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event They opened up with that clip from uh, uh, other people's money used it before I've used a lot of clips from that movie there should be a resurgence at the box office to re-release that thing because it's got so much wisdom in it is that uh is that was I referring to the uh, what's going on in NATO some common sense there's so much common sense in that in that uh, in that clip Uh... Does it make sense for NATO? Does it make sense for the Trump at the G7? Does it make sense for the the bleeding hearts for the kids at the border? Oh, the kids. We have to take care of them. We didn't do it to them. Their parents brought them over. They were with their parents. They were just in another country. Oh, but they're coming over for refugee status. They're claiming for asylum from Honduras. They're not in Honduras. They're in Mexico. They got out of Honduras. I don't understand. What is the issue? There's a lot. You know, go back. Go to edhoffman.net and play that thing over. Or go to iTunes or SoundCloud. Hear that thing over. Or better yet, go on Netflix and watch other people's money and watch the common sense in that scene. Watch the common sense in that whole movie. That's a great one. Hey, anyway, uh, then I used uh, some Van Halen finish what you started because that was a a call out to uh, President Trump. You got it started, finished, don't listen to the protesters, don't listen to the bonehead Democrats out there, because they're all they're all out there doing the prayer for the dead. Everything they're protesting, everything they're complaining about, everything that's going on, it's a prayer for the dead, it doesn't make any sense. Trump didn't mess up this country, and neither did the capitalists, and neither did the big corporations. Let's just fix it. Hey, anyway, I'm going to talk about all the stuff going on this week and all, how all this stuff relates. And uh, before I do, let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. Based here in Southern California, offices all over the place, lending in California, Arizona at this point. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night. Toll-free area code 855-640-2020. If you don't want to talk to me on the phone because uh, you're calling from your uh, calling from work, stealing time from your boss, hey, stop, stop, stop. Someone might catch you. Wait for your break. Wait for your government-mandated 15-minute cigarette or coffee break or your one-hour, your one-hour, uh, you better take lunch or you have to pay get paid time and a half for an hour uh, penalty thing. Wait for that. Go to wccloans.com because don't go on your work computer because that's against the rules. Wccloans.com. Click on uh, looking for a loan, I think it is. Hit apply now. Put as much information as you want in there. Tell me how much you want, how much information you want back. And you'll hear back from uh, myself or one of my uh, talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Alex Rojas, Cody Bradbury. Aaron Fredericks, and we will uh, we will help you uh, find that missing piece to your real estate financing puzzle. Some of it's not just real estate financing. Some of you guys are coming in and saying, my life is a mess financially. Help me. And uh, happily, a lot of times we're able to. So I uh, just helped one lady who I know is listening uh, save her house. She called two weeks before the tax guy was going to take her house. And, uh, and I said, uh, you should have called me a little earlier. This is kind of serious, but, yeah, I can help. And uh, we saved her house. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, I'm not saying I could do that for everybody, but in this particular case, we were able to. And uh, I know uh, it feels feels good to help people like that. Hey, if uh, if you uh, if you don't want to talk on the phone, go to WCC Loans. I told you that. If you uh, if you want to hear something replayed, go to Ed E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. E D H O F F M A N dot net. Click on podcast page. You can hear this show as well as uh, several past shows couple of our, our special shows, and uh, or you can get the podcast on uh, iTunes or SoundCloud, and you could uh, subscribe for free, have it uh, download to your uh, your computer, your phone, or your iPod, or your iPad, or your mini pad, or your maxi pad, or your computer, or whatever it is that you listen to podcasts on. I imagine some of the new cars probably have podcast players in the radios or something, because uh, I know my car has a hotspot in it i didn't pay to do it they gave me the free when i first bought it but then hey you don't have a hotspot plan well i have an iphone in my in my pocket so i have a hotspot all the time so anyway uh that's where that goes follow me on twitter at ed hoffman where i tweet about current events all week long and like the show on facebook at facebook.com slash the main event at hoffman Ah, okay, we can get to. Oh, I forgot to tell you if you, uh, here's, here's something you want to leave a comment on. 855-640-2092 is the listener hotline. You can leave a recorded message. Uh, everybody's entitled to my opinion. I want to hear yours now. So if you got an opinion on this week's show, call me 855-640-2092. Leave a message. So, uh, let's talk about what's going on. After weeks of speculation, uh, President Trump on Monday revealed the second Supreme Court nominee of his uh, presidency. Uh, would be DC Court Judge Brett Kavanaugh. We gave us the top four, and apparently, uh, last last Friday, we recorded and uh, Scott and I told you the the top four, and we, uh, I predicted Kavanaugh or Kethledge. I knew he wouldn't. I didn't think he'd go with the uh, the Indian guy, which apparently uh fell off of the list, and they've added some friend of Trump's sister, uh, Hildeman, and then uh and then when it got down to it. I I didn't think he'd go for anybody too controversial, which was uh uh Amy somebody uh the the female who was uh apparently going to be very anti uh, Roe versus Wade, and I didn't think uh, Trump was going to go that controversial in his first term because I don't think he wants the uh, the uh, the uproar right before the the uh, midterm elections. Okay, which are coming up in November. So here here's uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Let's get some uh, facts on him. Kavanaugh is a longtime foe that's enemy for some of you guys that don't know what foe means, of Bill Clinton. He was an aide to uh, President George W. Bush. I guess you'd know why he's a foe when we get down a couple couple more down here. He's a graduate of Yale Law School, began his career under former independent counsel Kenneth Starr, who's a law professor at uh, Pepperdine. I couldn't remember it last week either. Pepperdine University right in Malibu. Uh, They led the investigation that ultimately resulted in the President Clinton's uh, impeachment. Kavanaugh himself was a lead author of the controversial Star Report. He has served on the D.C. Circuit Court since 2006, bringing with him a long record of conservative jurisprudence. Prior to serving on the D.C. Court, he clerked under Justice Kennedy, who he's replacing. Kavanaugh is much loved in the conservative legal circles as an originalist, which means basically he uh, he tries to interpret what the original uh, drafters of the uh, of the Constitution uh, meant when they wrote it, doesn't try to rewrite it and re- reinterpret it. Um, and he's in the mold of Justice Clarence Thomas and former Justice Antonin Scalia. But as you know, Democrats have been spreading the lie that anyone Trump nominates to the court will overturn Roe v. Wade. Kavanaugh has called, called Roe v. Wade as settled law, which in his confirmation hearings or his uh, initial confirmation stuff said or his initial speech when he got nominated was that he wasn't going to mess with settled law. But he did dissent in a ruling recently that allowed an illegal immigrant minor to undergo an abortion in his dissent. So uh, apparently under uh, we have a, uh, a minor illegal immigrant down at the border who's pregnant and they want to give her an abortion. Uh, the district court voted for it. He voted against it. And in his dissent, he accused the majority of devising a new right for unlawful immigrant minors in the U.S. detention to obtain immediate abortion on demand. I just had to wonder, hey, if you're in the detention at the border and you're pregnant and you're a minor, uh, is Mexico sending up rapists up here? They're raping little girls and then uh, we pay for abortions when they come over here? Is that what's happening? Because I think I heard a bunch of Democrats being pretty mad at Trump. For suggesting that might be happening, I don't know. I just uh, I just write these little notes as I hear things, and I rem- and they pop up in my memory. So anyway, so that's all the Democrats needed to pr- to protest his appointment. Here's a here's a montage of Cory Booker, Bernie Sanders, and Kristen Gillibrand. To say no to this justice, to say no to unbalancing
0: the Supreme Court, and to say yes. To liberty and justice, are you ready to defend Roe versus Wade?
1: What is at stake is women's freedom, our freedom to make our own decisions, our freedom to decide when and how many children we are going to have.
3: Well, you know what you have the you have the uh, ability to to uh, choose when and how many kids you're going to have. You simply uh, use birth control, or you keep your legs closed and uh, you don't expect uh, the government to pay for abortions or uh, use abortion as a suitable way of birth control. I don't know. It just seems seems easy to me. And, of course, here's uh, crying Chuck Schumer. President Trump...
1: With the nomination of Judge Kavanaugh has fulfilled or is fulfilling two of his campaign promises. First, to undo women's reproductive freedom. Second, to undo ACA. And so I will oppose him with everything I've got.
3: Well, you would oppose him. You would oppose him if he if he nominated Jesus Christ himself. So it doesn't matter what Trump does. You will oppose him. And all your Democrat boneheads will oppose him with everything they got anyway. So, you know what? Again. That's the prayer for the dead. You know, just say amen when you're done, I guess. So uh, let's look at some personal facts on Brett Kavanaugh and see how they compare to what we just heard at what a terrible guy he is. He's born in Washington, D.C. and grew up in Bethesda, Maryland. Okay. Married to wife Ashley, former personal secretary to George W. Bush. They have two daughters. Okay, his daughters right now are fourteen and twelve, which basically means he lives in hell. For those of you guys that have uh, have uh, teenage daughters at your house, you know what I'm talking about. Um, serves meals to the homeless at Catholic Charities in in uh, District Cl- in DC. So uh, and apparently somebody saw him serving meals to the homeless uh, at Catholic Charities in DC the day after he was nominated. Hey, you're the most talked about guy in Washington DC, and he's still goes and and serves uh, meals to the homeless. He tutors kids at Washington Jesuit Academy and Wilson Elementary School. Now apparently this Jesuit Academy is some place that uh makes uh being uh, uh poverty I guess they worship poverty or something or uh, poverty is a you know you you want to you want to live in poverty. And uh I don't know it's some uh, something along those lines uh that I don't I don't subscribe to. I think I want to live in riches. And if I'm not there, I work harder. Okay, so uh, he coaches youth basketball. Uh, He's a fan of the Washington Nationals baseball team, which to me doesn't mean diddly squat because I don't care about professional sports. It's just a place to drink beer and eat hot dogs, which I can do that anywhere, and I'm happy to do it, but I just don't care who wins. Um, But apparently the Washington Post headline this week, Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh piled up credit card debt by purchasing Nationals tickets.
0: Oh, my God.
3: I don't know. Uh, you know, Chris Stewart, uh, was a catcher for the Pirates for the last three years, and he was a catcher for the Yankees two years before that, and a catcher for the San Francisco Giants for three years before that. Now he's on with the uh, Atlanta Braves, and, uh, he happens to be my, uh, neighbor across the street son in law. And, uh, we know Chris and we know his wife Lindsay and his kids. And, uh, so when, when the Yankees or the Pirates came to town, we go see him. You know what? I don't care about baseball, but you know what? I go there and root for Chris because I think it's cool that he gets to play baseball in front of all his high school friends and everybody he knows. And, hey, you get to play at Dodger Stadium or you get to play at Angel Stadium. I think it's cool for him, and I'm happy to go out there and sit there and eat hot dogs and drink beer, but I don't really care who won. I don't remember who won. I don't even remember who they played. I just know, well, I guess they played because he was on the Yankees or the Giants at the time, and he's playing at Angels or Dodgers. I guess I could figure that one out. So, uh but you know what? Oh, my God. You know what? We bought tickets from StubHub and I know they're a little bit more expensive and I probably bought some better seats than most people, but they weren't that, they weren't in the dugout and they were like 200, $230 a piece. So, uh, Hey, 500 bucks to sit there in the stands and then hot dogs are about 15 bucks and I probably ate two because men always eat two and, uh, probably had two or three beers and they're about, I don't know, $50 each. So I probably dropped a thousand bucks on, and I'm thinking to myself, how are all these people that are so engulfed in sports? How do they afford this to be here all the time? I got season tickets. I'm here every night. How do these people afford? Oh, maybe they just go go and bring their own peanuts in their purse and uh, and don't eat hot dogs or drink beer. Nah, I don't think that's the case because I see them in line when I go to get one, and I go to go to a maybe one baseball. Uh, baseball game a year, just to make sure that I have the right proper amount of hot dogs and beer in my in my system. Um, this April, we went to Yankee Stadium. It was freezing, 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 freezing when we were in New York. But we, hey, we're in New York to screw off, and the Yankees are down. Never been there. Now I have. So, uh, so you know. Oh my God, they made a big deal. So if he ran up a bill on his credit card for for uh, baseball tickets for the Washington Nationals, what is the big deal? Democrats, little people, little brains, little thinking. Okay, in the in the real estate community, there's talk that Kavanaugh may be influential in dismantling the, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which I guess now is called the uh, Bureau of Con- of uh, Consumer Financial Protect. I don't know; they had to change the change the name for some reason. But uh, but basically, where that goes is uh, there's a mortgage company. That some of you guys are still probably still paying mortgage companies called PHH. Phh got uh, got charged with doing a kickback scheme with uh, some of the mortgage insurance companies, and the mortgage insurance companies basically he was saying, hey, we're going to direct all our mortgage insurance thing to you guys, and they were getting a kickback. Okay, um, since then Phh is basically out of the mortgage business, other than servicing. So they, I still have one loan with them, but they're doing they're doing this uh, mortgage loan kickback and uh, to the mortgage insurance company. You want to know how you pick the right mortgage insurance company? When you own a mortgage company, you know what, I think my underwriter is just to sign it based on whoever brought donuts this week. Hey, you know what, uh, this company brought donuts this week. Oh, hey, you know what, now the other company dropped in and they dropped off some pastries and then, hey, this one brought in breakfast burritos next week and whoever they, because they're all pretty much the same price. They're in kind of a price war now, but in general, they all, all charge about the same thing and, you know, they collect premiums and they only have to pay if you default on your loan. So most people that are buying houses today qualify for loans, so they have no risk. So it's all just free money. So hey, you know they did a, they made some deal with one mortgage company and gave them a little who gave them a little kickback for directing all their mortgage insurance policies over there. Okay, so CFPB took him to court. The judge uh, awarded a six million dollar fine. They say, hey, you're going to pay a fine of six million dollars. Richard Cordray said, Richard Cordray, who was the single director of the CFPB, because that's how they set him up said, hey, no, wait, that's not good enough, and increase it to $109 million. Hold on a second. The judge said $6 million fine for what you did, and some single guy who's running the CFPB who's now running for governor of Ohio just arbitrarily said, that's not enough punishment for these guys. $109 million instead of $6 million. And, uh... It went to uh, they they appealed it and the appeals court knocked down the knocked it down and they knocked it out. The CFPB uh, then uh, then appealed it and when uh, Mick Mulvaney uh, was in there uh, was put in there as acting director he threw out the appeal. But while the court threw it down, it was the D.C. Dist, uh, district uh, court that that uh, that threw out the uh, threw out the case. And who was it that wrote the uh, wrote the opinion on it? Brett Kavanaugh. Let me play a little piece from the National Real Estate Post that basically says what Brett Kavanaugh said.
1: Let's take a look at what Kavanaugh said after the court ruling on the PHH case. As an independent agency with just a single director, the CFPB represents a sharp break from historical practice, lacks the critical internal check on arbitrary decision-making, and poses a far greater threat to individual liberty than does a multi-member independent agency. All of that raises grave constitutional doubts about the CFPB's single director structure. You know what that means? Ha!
3: You CFPB boneheads, the overreach Dodd-Frank, hey, in your face, Brett Kavanaugh's going to be one of the Supreme Court justices, and there's a guy who thinks straight and thinks fair and can tell the difference between right and wrong. So anyway, uh, good job for President Trump putting him in. Let's go on to the next subject, Uh, the two-day NATO summit summit, uh, in Brussels, where members of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization meet annually, started started with President Trump's demands for European allies to uh, increase their defense spending. Specifically, he asked them to increase their military spending to 2% of their economic output by uh, January 2019, since the United States will be increasing ours by 3.5%. Let's hear it.
0: Many countries uh, owe us a tremendous amount of money from many years back where they're delinquent, as far as I'm concerned, because the United States has had to pay for them. The United States has paid and stepped up like nobody. This has gone on for decades, by the way. This has gone on for many presidents, but no other president brought it up like I bring it up.
3: Yeah, and, uh, you know, people were going, uh, oh, my God. He also had harsh words for uh, Germany a country that gets more than one-third of its natural gas from Russia via a pipeline that runs through the Ukraine.
0: I think uh, it's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia where you're supposed to be guarding against Russia and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. And Germany, as far as I'm concerned, is captive to Russia because it's getting so much of its energy from Russia.
3: So let me clarify some things cuz I've been watching on social media some of you bonehead Democrats out there that don't understand and go, "What does NATO need so much money for?" Hey, you know what? They're not asking for, "Hey, pay up your uh, your uh, your your club dues so we can buy pizza." You know, 2% of your uh, of your uh, gross national product, you got to spend 2% of your of your na- uh, gross national product on military so that you can protect yourself. And Trump says, "Hey, you you guys, we created this whole North Atlantic Treaty Organization to protect from the big bad guys, Russia, in, uh, in Europe. And we're spending more to protect you while you guys are paying money to Russia for your, for your energy when you get it somewhere else. What kind of sense does that make? And uh, everybody had a oh my God moment. Here's uh, after uh, the reaction, reaction from the left was over the top as usual. Here's what was said on uh, Communist News Network and PMSNBC.
0: It's infuriating to see this happen. It's diplomatic malpractice.
1: Putin made a great investment in the 2016 presidential elections, and it's paying off for him in Brussels today. This kind of diplomacy looks like Hulk smash. It is just a disgrace for the United States to open a NATO me- meeting like this. It is unprecedented language. It is a real threat to the alliance. And I'm sure he thinks he's being clever,
0: mm-hmm. but it's a transparent way to carry out Vladimir Putin's deepest wish.
3: Hey, you know what I learned a long time ago? Friends don't tell friends what they want to hear. Friends tell friends what they need to hear. And Trump's guy, the only guy that had the guts to go toe to toe with the people over there and say, "Hey, you're not doing your part." And what sense does this make? And he's got some business sense, and he has some common sense. And you Democrats saying the prayer for the dead out there, talking about, "Oh, we got to take care of the the kids in Mexico. We got to take care of the countries in Europe." Hey, you know what? They got to take care of themselves. We can't help them if they're not willing to help themselves. And by the end of by the end of the summit, everybody's all bosom buddies and everything's honky dory and everything's wonderful and people are praising Trump. You know what? We have a good president in the White House. You have nothing to worry about. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue with all the more fun that happened this week, but after five minutes of commercial traffic, sports and weather don't go away. Welcome back to part two of the main event. Come on, baby. My name's Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation. Your local direct mortgage lender. Hey, I don't talk a lot about uh, mortgages or financing on the radio because, uh, I don't know, you guys probably don't think it's as exciting as politics and what's going on in the country probably doesn't affect you as much. But, but, uh, if you need it, if you need it, you want to talk to someone who thinks like you, that can help you, help you guide you towards the right decision for you call me toll free at 855-640-2020 855-640-2020 uh, or go to wccloans.com click on apply now and uh, you know find your way through it's not too hard to find and uh again 855-640-2020 um so let's talk about what let's continue we've been talking about what's going on this week we talked about the the NATO summit we talked about uh we talked about the supreme court justice nominee Brett Kavanaugh, and now we're going to talk about uh, the Peter Strzok test, uh, testimony on uh, with the uh, Senate uh, well, Judiciary Committee on Thursday, which was pretty good theater, I must say. I tweeted out, I tweeted out about ten, fifteen times in the morning, and uh, finally I just said, you know, man, I'd love to stay here and watch this all day, but I have to go to work. Too bad I'm not a Democrat. Uh, so some of you Democrats stayed home and watched it all day. Um, probably because you don't have jobs anyway. Sorry. If uh, if that hurts, get a job. So uh, so here, let's talk about what, what happened. After uh, hearing his name for the past year and a half, we finally got to hear uh, former FBI... Former? Is he former? I think he's... I think he's... I'm not sure what he is. He's, he's not with the FBI anymore, but apparently he's got an FBI lawyer, which is one of the things I asked. Why... He's he's part of the HR department? Oh, okay. So he's not an agent anymore. He's part of the HR department. Um or maybe he's just gets a paycheck. I don't know. This country this country is amazing to me. Uh you know, if he was an illegal alien, he'd get a check and they'd pay his house payment, and they would uh buy all his groceries too. Um but he's an American, so he just gets a free paycheck for being a felon. So uh Peter Strzok's voice this week, uh was uh, was uh, quite entertaining as he testified in open committee on Capitol Hill. Not surprisingly, Strzok forcefully defended his actions in Hillary Clinton email and Russia investigations, including the anti-Trump text message he sent. Um, but the biggest takeaway from Strzok's hearing was the grandstanding that went on. Um, it started out with. Start out with uh, Strzok trying not trying to just keep his mouth shut. You know he had he had the right to remain silent. He just didn't have the uh, the ability, um, but he tried.
4: How many interviews did you conduct related to the alleged collusion between Russia and the Trump campaign, <laughs> Congressman? As you know, counsel for the
5: FBI based on the special counsel's equities, has instructed me not to answer
4: questions about the ongoing investigation. I'm asking for a number. Russian attempts to interfere. Agent Strzok, I'm asking for a number. I haven't gotten to the names. How many people had you you interviewed between the beginning of it on July 31st and August the 8th? It's an eight-day time period. We're a week into an investigation. How many people had you interviewed? Congressman,
5: I understand your question. I appreciate it, and I would very much like to answer. But as I've stated, as you know, that counsel of the FBI, based on the special counsel's equities, have directed me not to answer any <coughs> questions about the ongoing investigation into Russian
1: attempts to interfere. So, so, so you the, gentleman, the gentleman will election. suspend, and the clock will suspend.
3: So this continued. This continued in uh, Trey Gowdy, our senator from uh, from South Carolina, who is actually uh not running for reelection. Uh what Trump should do is basically ask for Jeff Sessions to resign as Attorney General and put Trey Gowdy in there because this guy is a dadgum stud. And uh he kept beating on him. But uh it 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 became a little bit of a pandemonium in there with with uh Democrats jumping in, try to stop people from uh from from uh, testifying. It uh makes everything a little bit suspect as as hey, this guy works for the FBI. Who pays the FBI? Taxpayers. He works for us. What's what's he paid to do? Get to the truth. Find out what's really going on, and let's uh, let's uh, enforce the laws. But apparently, the Democrats have something to hide because they were objecting and objecting. Let's hear a little bit of it.
1: Point of order: the the, the witness will answer the question.
3: And I can't just it, because
1: you, on Mr. That question, Chairman, you on that don't. Question, on that ruling. Point of order, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Attorney client privilege, Strzok, and he has Strzok. been advised not Mr. to answer the question. The gentleman questions. will suspend. Parliamentary inquiry. What rules are we following that would dictate such an answer by you, Mr. Chairman? We are following the rules of the committee. Could you cite the rule? No. The, the gentlemen members South have a right recognized. to know what the rules are in governing this hearing. Gentlemen, Can you share with us the
4: rules is not rules that you're making up as you gentlemen, go along? It, it's going to be tough for me to get through it if I keep getting interrupted.
3: wrong. Yeah, it uh, sounded like a scene from uh, uh, kindergarten class or maybe a scene from uh, the movie A Few Good Men.
2: Lieutenant Kendrick ordered the Code Red, didn't he? Because that's what you told Lieutenant Kendrick to do.
0: Object! And when it went
1: bad, you cut cancer.
0: these guys loose! Your Honor, you have margins inside a bony transfer. Your Honor, you doctored the logbook. Damn, I the doctor. Consider yourself in contempt. You. Colonel Jessup, did you order the Code Red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled You to. want answers! I want the truth!
3: Yeah, I think I want the truth, too. I think America wants the truth, except for... For some reason, the Democrats don't want anybody to know the truth. And I'll tell you before I go on, I'll tell you what my theory is: is once they find out the truth, not only is Peter Strzok going to jail or some or some form of uh, of punishment, but it's gonna well, he's gonna roll over on James Comey, which I'll play you a clip in a little bit on this. And then when that James Comey goes down, then goes Loretta Lynch. And then when Loretta Lynch goes down, she we see she was protecting Hillary Clinton. And when Hillary Clinton goes down, down goes Barack Obama. And then it's going to be pandemonium. Parties everywhere, except for in California and New York. Um, but we'll have a party at my house here. All invited. Okay, so uh Oversight Chairman Trey Gowdy started out with his questioning. He was uh he was awesome. I'm gonna start calling him Lieutenant Caffey. He was uh he was uh he was this guy is a great lawyer. I love I love this guy. I wish he I wish he'd moved to California and run for something. He could be governor of California. He'd come over and live in Reno Valley with us. So uh he started out questioning by asking how many interviews Strzok had conducted in Hillary Clinton email investigation in July 2016 before he started texting Lisa Page, his uh his lover. He's married, but he was wearing a wedding ring still. But uh, his uh, his lover, Lisa Page, who's also an attorney at the FBI, so he started asking uh, how many people he'd interviewed before he started texting her about his hatred for Trump. After a lot of time was wasted because of the Strzok, uh saying the FBI advised him not to answer, Gowdy had enough. Here's their exchange.
4: Here's the good news. Um, I already know the answer to it. I went and looked at the file. The first interview that I can find is on August the 11th of 2016, which is 11 days after it began, Which makes me wonder, on August the 6th, so you hadn't interviewed anyone, you're investigating this alleged Russian collusion with the Trump campaign, you're the lead investigator, you originated the investigation, you're the point of contact, you drafted the document, and here you are before you've interviewed a single solitary witness saying, F Trump. Then that same day, your um, colleague, Lisa Page, wrote... Maybe you're meant to protect the country from that menace. And you responded, I can protect the country at many levels. We're not even a week into an investigation that you originated, approved, were the contact for. You hadn't interviewed a single solitary soul until August 11th. And you're already promising to protect the country from that menace, Donald Trump. And then on August the 8th, you still hadn't interviewed anyone. You're eight days into your Russian collusion with the Trump campaign investigation, and you got another text from your uh, colleague, Lisa Page. Trump's not ever going to become president, right? Right? And you replied, no. No, he's not. We'll stop it. By the time you promised to stop him from becoming president on August the 8th, how many interviews had you conducted?
5: Mr. Gowdy, so two answers to that. One, with regard to how many interviews had or had not been conducted, I have been directed by counsel for the FBI not to answer that question. Second, sir, I think it's important to take those texts in the context of how they were written and what they meant.
4: And there, and someone may ask you that question, Agent Strzok, but I didn't. I asked you how many people you interviewed before you wrote it. If you want to get into context, let one of my other colleagues do that with you. Here's what I want to know. Who's the he? And he's not. He is then candidate Trump. So, when you said no, Donald Trump's not. And in connection with the question, going to become president. What's the it? Chairman Gotti, we'll stop it, Chairman Gotti. That text needs to be taken in the context. I, I'm, of which I'm asking. Look, if you want to have a debate over a two-letter word, we're gonna to have to do that some other time. What? And who did you mean by it? Mr. Gowdy, as I've stated, that text was
5: written late at night in shorthand. I don't care when it was written.
4: I don't care whether it was longhand, cursive. I don't care about any of that. I want to know what it meant, Agent Strzok. It would be his candidacy for the presidency in my sense that the American population would not vote him into office. Right, right. Well, we hadn't gotten to the will yet. Well, I'm your, trying to. Your, I'm trying your to testimony the case, is, explain the, the text. The uh, will is it. the American people. Is that right? That's your testimony. The will stop it. You were speaking on behalf of the American people. Is that correct? Mr. Gowdy, what my testimony is and what I
5: said during extensive asking of this question during my prior interview is I don't recall writing
3: that text. He doesn't recall writing the text. It was late at night. He remembers it was late at night, but he doesn't recall. What was he on ambient or something? Uh, because I think he should lose his show for that, like Roseanne did. I was late night texting, I was on ambient, uh, yeah, stupid. <clears throat> so at some point, he he referred to uh, we he said, What is we? He said, We'll, it's we will, uh, we will stop it. And he said, Well, you know, I assumed that the, the American people wouldn't vote him in, so meaning that that meant the American public, uh, so. He was referring to American people stopping Trump's
4: election, not him. Not him and Lisa Page. Here's Gowdy's comeback. What I find confounding, Agent Strzok, is you were counting on the American people. That was the we you referenced in August when you said we'll stop it. But the American people didn't stop it. He actually won. So then we go to March of 2017, and you're already talking longingly about him resigning. And then we go to the day that Special Counsel Mueller... Well, before we go to that, that's March of 2017. March of 2016, you wrote, God, Hillary should win $100 to zero. And I'm assuming Hillary would be former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton? That's correct. All right. In March of 2016, weren't you investigating her for potential mishandling of classified information? We were. Had you interviewed her yet? Uh, No. Had you interviewed more than 30 other witnesses that wound up being interviewed? Uh, I would have to check the case file, but I'll take your representation. That's well. If she had said something incriminating in your interview that took place months later of her of, of her, would she have won a hundred million to zero? Then uh, likely not. No. Well, then why wouldn't you wait until the investigation was over before you have her the nominee and winning a general election against an opponent that hadn't even been named yet? A hundred million to zero, Agent Strock. That's how bad she should win. Mr. Gowdy, those personal
5: expressions of my observing the political process of the presidential primaries had no bearing on my actions of any investigation, to include the investigation of Secretary
4: Clinton. You couldn't think of anybody else, sir. You couldn't think of a single person that would not vote for Hillary Clinton for president. A hundred million to zero? So that
5: was was clearly
4: hyperbole. uh, Which I well, let's say it was hyperbole. Let's divide it by ten. How about we say it was hyperbolic and divided by 10? 100 million divided by 10, I'm pretty sure is 10 million. Zero divided by 10 is still zero. You couldn't think of a single solitary person that was going to vote for her for president before you interviewed her and while you were supposed to be investigating her. I can't
3: even, you know what, what I, what I don't understand is uh, we get a real estate office that's using our company for loans and say, well, what loan officer should handle it? I said, uh, there's no one one loan officer that could get all the realtors in one office. Even if there's 10 realtors, you can't get one that everybody likes. This guy thought everybody in the country would vote for, for Hillary. There's not one person that doesn't like Hillary. I would have voted for that little guy in the box on the progressive commercials for president before I would have voted for Hillary. Uh, happily, we had somebody better. We had Donald Trump, and um, we've discussed this many times. He wasn't my first uh, choice, but you know what? I'm glad America got it right because he's kicking butt. And this has no bearing. You know what? You know what? The you know what I know. You know what I know. And this is what what Democrats like to like to uh, like to ignore. The president is a person. FBI agents are people. The senators are people. Um. People that borrow money are people. People that underwrite their loans are people, and uh, people that sell their houses are people, and people that listen to the radio are people. We're all people. We all have emotions, and you can't you can't disconnect that. You can't say you have that much hatred for one of the one of the uh, for one of the uh, nominees, and in the, at this, and you think about it, that he had he didn't even start hating anybody because he just thought. Hillary should win. There wasn't even a nominee yet, but um, I'm sure by then we pretty much knew it was going to be Trump. But, uh, but the um, how, do you, how do you have that much hatred for one person and then say you're unbiased? We have uh, Jeff Sessions who recused himself from this whole investigation because he thought— who knows? I was part of the I was part of the campaign and I might have I don't know who I might have talked to at the at the convention. There's a lot of people, they're gonna accuse me of talking to people from Russia. I talked to a lot of people, and I don't know where they're from, and the next thing you know, I'm gonna be caught lying. I'm gonna recuse myself from this. But this I'm looking for a word I can say on the radio that describes him. This moron has this much hatred for the guy and doesn't think uh He can uh, doesn't think he should recuse himself. Okay, so here's another one from Trey Gowdy as he fast forwards to Strock's work on the Mueller investigation.
4: All right, we're going to go into one other time period, May seventeenth, twenty seventeen. Bob Mueller is appointed. Your friend Jim Comey's been fired. He's already leaked the memos to his law professor friend, and Mueller a special counsel. Do you remember how long it took for you to start talking about impeachment after Bob Mueller was appointed? I don't, sir. One day one day and you are talking about impeachment and for anyone who may have missed it the day after his appointment agent struck you did it again five days later now how many interviews had you done as part of the special counsel team within the first five days of his appointment
5: Sir, again, same answer as before. I can't get into details.
4: Right, and the answer is also the same. It's zero. No interviews have been done. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, No interviews have been done by August the 8th when you're talking about stopping him and how terrifying it would be for him to win and how you can protect the country. And no interviews have been done before you're talking about impeachment of the president. But no wonder Bob Mueller kicked you off of the investigation, um, Agent Strzok.
3: You know, when, uh, when Strzok got a chance to talk, when Strzok got a chance to talk uh, in his defense of the FBI, uh, the Democrats were so happy with, with Strzok's response, they gave, him, uh, they gave him applause. This is how moronic Democrats are, but listen to Strzok.
5: But to suggest somehow that we can parse down the words of shorthand textual conversations like there's some contract for a car is, is simply not consistent with my or most people's use of text messaging. I can assure you, Mr. Chairman, at no time in any of these texts did those personal beliefs ever enter into the realm of any action I took. Furthermore. This isn't just me sitting here telling you, you don't have to take my word for it. At every step, at every investigative decision, there are multiple layers of people above me, the assistant director, executive assistant director, deputy director, and director of the FBI, and multiple layers of people below me, section chiefs, supervisors, unit chiefs, case agents, and analysts, all of whom were involved in all of these decisions. They would not tolerate any improper behavior in me any more than I would tolerate it in them. That is who we are as the FBI. And the suggestion that I, in some dark chamber somewhere in the FBI, would somehow cast aside all of these procedures, all of these safeguards, and somehow be able to do this is astounding to me. It simply couldn't happen. And the proposition that that is going on, that it might occur anywhere in the FBI, deeply corrodes what the FBI is in American society, the effectiveness of their mission, and it is deeply destructive.
3: Hey, morons, Democrats! These guys work for you. Next time, he's going to be doing the same thing to you. You know, give him an applause for being so tough. Look like Clint Eastwood in there. You know what? Here's and here's my favorite uh, exchange between uh, between uh, Trey Gowdy, you know, my new lieutenant Caffey, and uh, and uh, Peter Strzok.
4: And your testimony is Bob Mueller did not kick you off because of the content of your text. He kicked you off because of some appearance that he was worried about.
5: My testimony, what you asked and what I responded to was that he kicked me off because of my bias. I'm stating to you it is not my understanding that he kicked me off because of any bias, that it was done based on the appearance. If you want to represent what you said accurately, I'm happy to answer that question, but I don't appreciate what was originally said being changed.
4: I don't give a damn what you appreciate, Agent Strzok. I don't appreciate having an FBI agent with an unprecedented level of animus working on two major investigations during 2016.
3: Okay, that's where, that's where you start applauding. That's where you start applauding someone who actually has some, has some backbone, some spine, some character, actually calling somebody on the carpet and of saying, well, we don't want to be too offensive to one of our Democrat people that was just trying to help Hillary win. We needed to have a woman president because it was her turn. <clears throat> Morons. Hey, you know what? Well, we shouldn't talk about religion or politics. It just starts fights. Guess what? If you don't start, if you don't talk to this, uh, talk like this to your people that that you know that are Democrats that are got their head up their something uh, that don't know what's going on. They're paying attention to the Dodgers more than to uh, how this country is being run. Um, it's your duty to start some fights. It's your duty to say to educate these people. Another Republican star of the hearing was Judiciary Committee Chairman Bob Goodlatte of Virginia. At one point, he threatened to hold Struck in contempt if he refused to answer questions. Goodlatte took issue with one of the texts that Strockett sent to Lisa Page in August of 2016.
1: Do you recognize how your vitriol against President Trump makes it appear you could never approach the case in a fair-minded manner? Sir, of course I appreciate that. I understand so that. let's discuss will look at- a text that hits home for me. On August 26, twenty sixteen, you texted Ms. Page, quote, just went to a Southern Virginia Walmart. I could smell the Trump support. And smell is in capital letters, all capital letters. What does Trump support
5: smell like, Mr. Strzok? Sir, that's an expression of speech. I clearly wasn't smelling one thing or the other. What I was commenting on is living in northern Virginia. What does that having, mean? What I what I meant by that was living in northern Virginia, having traveled 100 and 150 miles south within the same state, I was struck by the extraordinary difference... In the expression of political opinion and belief amongst the community there? And, and from you described that
1: as smell in capital letters. Sir, that was a choice of the quick choice of words in a text. All right. I so earlier. Seen just, or well, heard. I, Okay. So earlier, you had texted Ms. Page on that another part of Virginia, Loudoun County, which is, I think, in northern Virginia, is, quote, still ignorant hillbillies, end quote. Is that what you meant? No, sir, not at all. And, uh, you know, can you say backpedaling? Oh, well, it was just
3: Southern Virginia. Cause I live in Northern Virginia. Then you say the same thing about Northern Virginia. Of course, the Democrat committee, uh, Democrats on the committee threw struck some softball questions. One of them unknowingly got struck to reveal something damning about FBI Director James Comey. Here's Gerald Nadler, a Democrat congressman from New York. He asked him about the prioritizing over the Trump-Russia investigation over the emails in Anthony Weiner's computer, which was part of the Invi- Hillary investigation. If you remember, this was three days before the election.
1: And is that why you thought it important to prioritize uh, in, and I think it was in October of 2016 the Russian investigation and leave Hillary uh, leave uh, Mr. Weiner's laptop to someone else. You asked to to look into it. Well, the first reason I did it is because the director
5: told me to. The director said it was a top priority, which is relayed from him and AD Prestep. And the second thing was yes, clearly when you look at an allocation of resources based on the threat to national security, the Russian influence investigations were a much first, greater the- impact than. A mishandling of classified information investigation. Thank you. And the, but the first reason was the director you told you to. Yes, sir. Thank you.
3: Oh, I'm glad he made that last little comment. Well, the first reason was because the director told me to. Hey, guess what? That right there just implicates Comey. Okay, so uh, that's the first step. Then comes Lynch. Then comes Clinton. Then comes Obama. Hey, you know what? When you listen to CNN or an MSNBC and hear them talk about how this was a good thing for uh, the Democrats, that's the prayer for the dead hope they remember to say amen. Hey, uh, folks, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. Thanks for listening. My name is Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you next week.
0: The content of this program is not intended to be legal advice. The views expressed are those of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate, broker license number 01147747, and California Finance Lenders license number 603K610, also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions, MB number 096199.